Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I'm your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. I'm also a keynote and TEDx speaker, and my website is The Mental Health Gym, which is your source of all kinds of information regarding wellness, rejuvenating, positive psychology, my own spin on it, which is called Goal Achieving Psychology, and lots of other things related to personal growth and helping you to become the best version of yourself. As listeners to the podcast know, our guests all lead their lives enthusiastically and have something to contribute to the way that we lead our lives and become the best versions of ourselves. They've all got something different to contribute. And today's guest has a very unique perspective. Don't think we've quite had someone with the background that Robert Althaus has had. And we're really looking forward to his contribution. Uh, Robert is the founder of The Whisperer, which is a mindfulness organization that provides coaching, strategies, tools, and techniques to help private clients and businesses find their why so that they can become a force of good in the world. He's an Ivy League educated leader who was once a Fortune 100 corporate executive and later a successful real estate and private equity entrepreneur. Uh, Robert's early life began as could be what could be described as a fairy tale, successful career, amazing wife, tremendous wealth, until it all fell apart, which uh, is something we'll want to hear about. The relentless pursuit of more had ruined his life. Today, however, he resides in Coral Gables, Florida, and is a father, artist, photographer, avid yogi, crossfitter, kite surfer, and an active dive volunteer and former board member of the Coral Restoration Foundation in the Florida Keys. Robert is also the author of Never Enoughitis, which chronicles his successes and falls, and then the rehabilitation to a happier and more fulfilling life and a mission in helping others. So it's really, really pleasure to welcome you, Robert. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Uh, thank you so much, Ron. I, uh, I appreciate that intro too. It sounds fantastic. It's, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like you're talking about another guy, but no, that is me. And uh, I'm excited about our conversation today. Well, terrific. Tell us a little bit about your, the, the first part of your history. Uh, what right. were you doing more specifically and how'd you get there? Right. I'll, I'll give you the cliff note version of it. I, um, you know, I was born and raised in Holland. I left when I was 21. I was a tennis pro for a couple of years. I ended up in Atlanta in the mid nineties and I, I got into real estate development. I went to night school to finish my, um, my degree and, um, and, and I had quite a bit of success. I was uh, very fortunate that a company I joined and the founder took an interest in me and took me under his wing. And then I, um, I got the opportunity to go to Columbia business school, which I did. And, um, I think I was right around 30. And when I graduated, I joined G capital and I was there in a, in a, in a accelerated executive program. And, 
I did really well there too. I'm a very competitive person and I can, I can out hustle just about anybody. So this was right up my alley. And I had, of course, uh, uh, some fortune because anytime you rise fast in the ranks of a large company, it means that you have some people helping you, pulling you up. Uh, not, not everybody that's talented that makes their way up in a big company. Uh, so I was very fortunate that way. And then around the financial crisis, you know, GE Capital was uh, challenged with the regulators coming in. We were doing really exotic equity investments in the airport space and uh, aviation business. And uh, so I, wound, I had to wind down that unit and I had the opportunity to leave and buy out what we call an orphan asset. That's how I got into business for myself in 2009. And I spent the next five, six years, mostly in Latin America, building airports and airport infrastructure and doing private equity transactions. Um, in 2015, I sold most of that business. And that's kind of where we get into the meaty part of the book because I, I had reached these goals, right? I had, I had all the money I thought I needed to be happy. I had a beautiful house and oceanfront community, you know, the, the amazing wife and kids and cars and toys and uh, you name it. And yet I was just completely empty. And I was looking around and I was disillusioned in a way because I felt like I worked for this for 20 years. And, you know, I was supposedly when I got here, you know, it was supposed to be great. And why isn't it? And why is everybody like it? Why is everybody liking this? Because, you know, I live in this prestigious neighborhood and everybody kind of lives that life. And uh, I saw that most people seem to enjoy that uh, and were fulfilled by it. But I, I, it lacked something for me. And, uh, and that kind of started a spiritual journey that, uh, that went on for the next couple of years and culminated in some, uh, eventually some, some live events happening that really forced me to, you know, delve, delve deep. Well, I'm wondering, in positive psychology, and I know we often deal with kind of averages, uh, so, so there are exceptions, but in general, what we found is that money in and of itself doesn't buy happiness that if somebody is mm. a miserable younger person and poorer yeah. person and then gets money becomes an unhappy older person and i've known you know some some pretty wealthy people some of whom seem to be enjoying it but others who even yeah. in their expression in their face and so on uh make me think geez yeah. if i had their money i'd somehow be able to work it a little better right uh, and and be happier i mean did you uh, as you look back on it, did your background prepare you to be an unhappy, wealthy person? Um, I, I don't know. But before, before I answer that question, uh, first of all, there's nothing wrong with money. money. Money makes life more convenient. It's wonderful to have money. It, 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 you know, it's very hard to be spiritual or deep when you don't know where your rent check is going to come from. So you know, I, I'm not here proposing that money is a bad thing. The second thing is I think money is an amplifier. And what I mean by that is that if you're a happy person, more money is going to just make you more happy and you're going to beam that into the world and you're going to have that energy about you. Now, if you're an asshole, you're going to just be a bigger asshole with money. And, you know, similarly, if you're unhappy, you're probably going to be unhappier because, you know, it amplifies everything. It creates problems in and by itself as well, if you want to look at it as problems. And, and it sounds really strange, but, you know, there's many people with a lot of money that worry about it a lot. Uh, I, I was one of them when I had a lot of money. But, but to answer your question about, you know, does money make happy? I think abundance comes from within. And everything comes from within, to be honest. Uh, so, you know, when I found myself uh, making my first $100,000, yeah, I was temporarily happy, but my sights were already on $200,000 or and whatever it was. And, and you know, $200,000 became a million dollars and then $2 million. And then you want to have $10 million because someone else has that. And so I was always chasing. 
it was never enough. And the goalposts kept moving, you know? So every time I reached the goal, I really didn't enjoy it. I really didn't uh, feel even that I was successful. I didn't really feel that I, I had wealth, even though, you know, in, in, in relative terms I did. And um, I, because I, I, I had a poverty, a lack mentality within. And I think that came from my childhood in parts. My father was a product of the war. You know, the only thing he was ever worried about is holding on to whatever money he made. And he had a very successful career. But, you know, I, I grew up with that mindset around me, that money is hard to make. Uh, you got to save for a rainy day, you know, all those things. So I had a lot of attachment around money, too. But uh, I, I do think that there was some programming in early childhood that I carried into my adulthood. Well, that's really interesting. I guess the other side of the coin, though, is it sounds like you've made a, a, a major switch in your thinking. What yeah. do you think prepared you for that? Because I think wow. a lot of people, uh, you know, don't nothing. go in that direction. And yeah, yeah. Well, you know, listen, life is, everything is always in perfect order, right? And there's an intelligence in this universe. And we all are here on a certain journey. And my journey was to experience that, that part of my career and, and, and get to a point where I had this dissatisfaction. I started searching for different answers. And then eventually when, um, you know, a natural disaster actually wiped out one of my businesses, like I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I found myself literally overnight going through a divorce and, 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 and being on the edge of bankruptcy because of this personal loan that I, uh, that I guaranteed. And with that, you know, I really had this epic fall from grace because the money and the prestige and the you know, my LinkedIn profile, that was my self-worth. And when that got wiped out, you have nowhere else to go. It's like, what's left now, right? And of course, you know, in, in spiritual terms, there's actually where you really find yourself because, you know, we don't have to do anything to become anything. I mean, that's just a societal construct. But I, I, I had to learn that the hard way by losing it all. And that's, that's really, really interesting. So can you tell us a little bit or a lot about what drives your philosophy now? How, where did it well, from well, what? Yeah, many, many different things. So in 2015, when I had this uh, watershed moment, I, I also slowed down my business dramatically. I, I, I went from traveling 250, 300 days a year, uh, working relentlessly. Like I said, I was great at outworking everybody. And I went to this, you know, this timeline of where I was only working about 10 hours a week and I had so much time on my hands. So, I started reading books about spirituality and concepts and ancient traditions. I, I studied Buddhism and uh, Taoism and Hinduism and uh, became a yoga teacher because I wanted to understand the philosophy of yoga. I started delving into quantum physics and the stuff that Einstein talked about. And, um, you know, and I, I just kind of went into this you know, spiritual search. I just wanted to know. And then I, I got into mindset work, behavioral psychology. I studied very deeply. And all of it started being these building blocks of forming just a different view on reality. And, you know, I know there's a little far off the beaten path for, uh, for a lot of people, but, you know, in, in its essence, right, this whole universe is just energy. This is what Einstein talked about. I mean, everything is energy at its bottom level. Your body is energy. It's just vibrating at a certain level. It's not atoms. It's energy. And, you know, when you think about this conceptual thought that, you know, we're all energy, it also means we're all connected because all energy is always connected, it's indestructible. And it opens up a, a different view on the world in that, well, if I'm not my story, and my story is the societal program that we have, that we grew up with in our childhood, that, you know, religious beliefs, uh, cultural beliefs, that those are all stories. That's not real. Someone made that up. 
I mean, that, and, and, you know, but we live in that construct, right? And that construct is what you believe to be yourself, that's your ego. You, but you, when you distance yourself from your ego, who's observing your ego? Well, that's your awareness and that's your consciousness and that's energy, right? So when you start looking at the world, you separate yourself from your ego and you start witnessing your thoughts because who's hearing these thoughts? Who's observing all of this that's going on in your head? That's your consciousness. That's your awareness. And I know that those are spiritual terms, but you know everybody observes their thoughts because you know, you're not your thoughts. So your belief, what you are, is just a construct. Now, once you distance yourself from that, you can have a completely different view on life. Because, you know, it also means that, you know, you're just energy and energy can transform. So you can change in a, in a minute, in a millisecond. When you change the thought about yourself, you have changed. And you will even on a molecular level change. Your genetic expression will change. Your body will change. It's all driven by your thought. But you have to get the mind control to get there. And you have to understand that you're not your ego. And so from that, and then all the ancient wisdom traditions, by the way, talk about this. All of them. This isn't like something that is really all that woo-woo. And in fact, there's a lot of biblical, you know, uh, verses and, and, and wisdom that points to this. That, you know, Jesus talked about this stuff. Um, so this isn't um, just, you know, airy-fairy stuff. I mean, this is, you know, it's really backed by science. I mean, you know, Einstein was on it. This is a, there's a whole field of study around this. But that really um, just gave me a different perspective. If I'm not this guy that needs to relentlessly chase to fill his self-worth, if I can just breathe air and be, be someone, right, that's all I need to be, well, then my whole outlook on life changes. Now I don't have to chase anything anymore. I can just chase it because I want to. I, I can decide to go do something because I feel like that's what I want to express in my life. But it's no longer driven by fear or doubt or worry or that I'm not enough or that I'm, you know, I'm not good enough unless I'm this or that. Then I count in this world. No, I mean, all of that falls away. Boy, you're taking a lot of complex stuff mm. and it sounds so simple. So I'm wondering, what is your definition of success? Uh, at, at this point, I, I believe we're all here to um, become the highest and best version of ourselves and, and whatever that looks like. And, and, and I don't measure that in material terms. So really, uh, you know, whether someone has a lot of money or not a lot of money or, or any of those things, um, you know, I don't, I don't really count it as success. I mean, I think it's wonderful when people do. And, and you can just be just as spiritual, by the way, being a billionaire as being, you know, poor laying under a bridge as a, as a homeless person. I mean, there's no tie to your worth from a spiritual perspective. But I think people that are successful live their truth. And, you know, when we're stuck in our stories, we're not living our truth. We're out of integrity. And I talk a lot about the masculine because I'm a man and I experience this world as an alpha male. And, you know, within the archetype of the masculine is a deep desire for us to be you know, just and wise and righteous and virtuous, courageous and strong, basically be a man of integrity and, and be a man of honor. And when we don't live in that way, when we live out of integrity, when we live the story that our parents told us that we need to live or what society tells us, we're out of integrity. We start leaking energy. We start losing our mojo because we're seeking everything in the outside world. We're seeking validation and recognition in the outside world. And you're never, you're never going to feel whole on the inside by seeking these things on the outside. It's an in, it, everything is an inside job. The day you decide that you are enough, you don't need anything in the world anymore to tell you that you're enough. Or you don't have to prove anything anymore. It's a decision you make. 
So interesting. So if you were talking to a young Robert, yeah, uh, starting in his career or her career, you know, we obviously need uh, a vibrant business-driven sure. world. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And certainly some people, you know, really, really are turned on by the notion of being business successes and, yeah. and you know, yeah. the world needs them. So how would, what things might you suggest to, to somebody so that they can uh, yeah, you know, no, sure. No, it's a great question. It's a great question because I have three kids, and and you know, this is the kind of principles that I teach them. And and and, and listen, I I'm so happy for the life that I had. Otherwise, the book wouldn't have been there. And I I needed these experiences to get to this point of understanding. And so without these experiences, I wouldn't have gotten there. And so everything is always perfect, right? There's no flukes. There's no accidents. There's, no, there's zero randomness to this universe. There's zero coincidences. Everything is intelligently planned out. But what I would tell a younger person is that everybody in this life has purpose and has a worth. Everybody is gifted with gifts, talents, and superpowers. Everybody has them. And they're always where your passions are. And usually you can find them, you know, what you really enjoy at a very early age, what you naturally gravitated towards is probably where your gifts, talents, and superpowers are. Now, when you can tap into passion, you're always going to find success. Because when you do something because you love to do it, like Mark Twain said, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But the other thing is, um, and I can give you this example, you know, you have certain children that pick up a guitar and, you know, you couldn't pay them to take a guitar lesson. There's other kids that pick up that guitar and you can't stop them to play. You have to literally take the guitar away before they want to go to bed at night. It's a passion. They're gonna want. They're gonna do it because they want to do it. It's an external expression from their, from, you know, at a soul level. They want to express this into the world. Everybody has that. Everybody has something that's their expression into this world. And and again, we're all here by intelligent design. You have the gifts, the talents, and the superpowers to do what you're supposed to do. But we steer in wrong directions because you know our parents tell us that we need to be a lawyer or a doctor or. You know, they tell us, you know, you should do this because that's a safe job, getting an accounting degree because, you know, uh, you know, you always have a job. But maybe you don't want to do accounting. Maybe you want to be an artist. Maybe you want to be a, a carpenter. Maybe you want to be a singer. Maybe you want to be whatever. It, it doesn't really matter what you do. But what, you know, for young people in this world, your job is to find your passion, is what wakes you up in the morning and gets you excited. Because in that area, you are always going to express your highest self. You're always going to be successful. You're always going to be able to make money. Now, is it a lot of money or not a lot of money? You know, there's some people that, that want to be teachers, and they don't really care that much about making a lot of money. And that's beautiful. We need a lot of great, fantastic teachers that are devoted to that profession. So I wouldn't tie it to money necessarily. I would just tie it to your passion. Find your passion. What, what do you really want to express into the world? What gets you excited? Because you're always going to be successful in that area. And you're going to have the talents and the superpowers. So it's going to come natural. You're going to do the extra work because you want to, not because you have to. And that's where happiness comes from. Terrific. And I'm always happy when I find somebody who agrees with me. Um, so passion is one of the the six P's of the type P personality that I came up with. And the other thing that I try and point out, particularly in working with some of the uh, older adults that I sometimes work with and, and some of whom are listening is, it really is something that you can acquire 
and work on, you know, yeah. later in life yeah. if you need to. Yeah. That they're, yeah. You know, that it's never too late to, to correct yeah. course because we're always evolving. And age is a mindset, right? And age is a decision you make. Because there's 80-year-old guys doing Ironmans. And this is the other beautiful thing in this world where you can get draw inspiration from. If anybody has done it in this world, it means it's possible, right? Because we, 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 we so often, we are our own enemy. We, we kill the idea before we even get started. Like we say, oh, I, I'm, I don't come from that sort of family. We don't go to these schools. We don't, we don't have these kind of jobs. We, you know, I'm Irish. I'm never lucky. It's all bullshit. It's all in your mind. But as long as that's in your mind, that's exactly what you're going to find in the world. Yeah. The world is always going to confirm your mindset. The person that says, I'm going to do this because I want to express this in the world. I want to create this. I want to build this and does it without attachment will always create it. And so is it, is it ha if it has been done by anybody, you can do it too. God, this is so fantastic. Really, really enjoy hearing this and, and learning about it. Tell us a little bit about what's in the book. <laughs> yeah, so the book, the, book journal, the book journals my life since business school. So I was about 30 years, 31 when I graduated. And I joined GE, like I said, and I met my wife there. So the first part is about, it's called fairy tale. And I, I, and I have to caveat uh, this. You know, I started writing my book because I went into therapy after I got, went for my divorce. I had repressed my feelings like so many men do for so many years. And when I, you know, my heart just basically burst when I got divorced and I, I needed some help. And, um, you know, the therapist told me to start journaling and I wasn't that consistent at it. And then I asked her, I said, can I write a book? Because I'm, if it's a project, I'm more likely to do it, just knowing myself. And she said, yeah, just, just any way of writing is, I want you to get your emotions out and, and express yourself. And so the book started that way. So the first part is fairy tale. I, I describe in like these details how first years after business school, I, I met my wife and she had a flourishing career and we had this, you know, double jobs, no income, you know, we had a beautiful wedding on the beach. We had, we had a dream life, right? I mean, it was the fairy tale, the American dream. And then, you know, we started having kids, which is obviously a beautiful thing, but I, you know, my business also took me all over the world and I was just this prisoner of my own ambition. And so I, I was more and more away the higher up I got into GE. I also started seeing what I call the underbelly of, of uh, corporatocracy, which is probably a subject for another conversation, but you know, there's uh, quite a kind of few ugly things uh, that we've created in this world because we're so obsessed with making money, including companies. And we basically dilute our morals and our values to do that at any cost. But, but after, um, after when I got into business for myself, now I had my own money tied up in this business. And, you know, I worked even harder and more relentless. And I got, you know, I swam with the sharks and I became a shark. I became a person that eventually in 2015, when I sold all this, I didn't recognize anymore. I had diluted my values, my, my, my integrity on so many different levels. And I couldn't look myself in the mirror anymore. I, uh, and so the third part of the book is how I find my way out of that by describing, you know, some of the practices and some of the wisdoms that I found in all these different studies that I did and work groups and retreats. And, you know, I, I basically went deep into everything for four or five years. And I, I kind of highlight that in the third part of the book. So that, that was my journey out. How do, how or where do people purchase the book? It's, uh, it's available on Amazon. It was launched on January 19th, and uh, it, it was a bestseller in the first week, so I'm really proud of that. And um, 
it's doing quite well. Uh, so it's available there in a Kindle version and a paperback version. You know, in a few months, we might bring an Audible version out. But for now, those are the two options. And um, my website about the book is www.neveranoughitis.com. And there's a little bit more information about me and my book. And then the Whisper is something that I'm launching, which is this platform. And that website is actually under redevelopment right now. But I think about two or three weeks, that website will be up. And that has more information about the coaching and the work I do with companies. Because I, I'm also a big believer that, you know, to change this world, we have to change within. And what that means is that unless we change leadership and our view on this world, companies are not going to show up in a different way. And we can't continue the way we are, we're living right now. We're going to live in a Mad Max movie if we keep going the way we're doing. I mean, we're killing humanity. We're killing the planet. We're living very unhealthy lives by just about any standard. And so, yeah, we're wealthier and we're growing older, but we're not necessarily happier. And we're not necessarily living more fulfilling lives. And um, I believe that, that all of that is possible, but we have to change our mindset and, uh, and, and our heart set. Yeah, it all starts with the mindset. And uh, I know you've got some, some very specific ideas about the heart. Uh, so I'm going to ask two questions that you can answer in yeah. any order because yeah. we're running. Yeah. 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 But basically, the whisper, will that be something that individuals can subscribe to? Or is it for companies? Or, and the no, second so thing I, is to talk <laughs> about your concept of the heart. And I right. think we're going to have to wrap after that. All right. All right. I, I got it. So uh, yeah, the whisper, I work with uh, high level executives and high impact um, entrepreneurs. And the reason I do that is because you, you are always your own ideal client. And, you know, that's the world I know. I know boardrooms. I know high level executives. I know the pressures that they're under. I speak that language. I have that educational background. And, and you know, I want to have impact for them because I don't really have the ambition to run companies myself anymore. But I do want to have an impact on this world because I think there's important changes we need to make. This is not the world I want my kids to inherit from me. And so one of my missions is to create a different world through those avenues and, and dedicate my time and, uh, and, uh, and efforts there. What was your second question? Remind me. Well, oh, the heart. Well, the heart. Yeah, yeah. Interesting thoughts on the heart. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, and, and this this is a this is a deep subject. But but in general, uh, the heart is the second intellectual center that we have. That's actually the center of our intu intuitive wisdom. But it's also obviously uh, where where love and compassion and kindness come from. And it's you know when you talk about yin yang, you talk about masculine and feminine energy. Our mind is our, our is is the fortress of our masculine energy, and the heart is of the feminine energy. Now, we are in this world in the last millennia, we're very disconnected from our heart. And we've been living in a very masculine-oriented world. So we live in this mental world where we justify everything. We justify wars and violence and hate and inequalities and injustices, pollution. We justify it all in the advance of prosperity, of the advance of uh, you know, certain countries dominating other countries. Th those are all mental frameworks. That's a complete disconnection from the heart. Because, you know, when we really tap into our heart, when we open our heart and we're, we're, you know, we tap into this love and compassion that we all have within our heart, then you look at the world in a completely different way. Then you cannot take anymore, you know, the poverty, the famine that we see around us, the injustices. It makes no sense from the heart. So one of the things I teach leaders to do to become sovereign thinkers, and by opening up your heart, you make your heart the master. You make your heart the, the compass that you go by, the North Star, and your mind becomes a beautiful instrument that can supplement and, and serve the heart. We have that reversed in our world today. And this is why the world looks the way it does. It doesn't need to look like that. We have enough resources for everybody to live in prosperity. 
We have enough resources for everybody to be healthy, everybody to be fed. We don't need to have this pollution. We don't need to have the CO2 or climate change. None of that is necessary. We have all the technology to solve it. But we won't get there until we change the way we look at the world. And you see this in our last elections. I mean, the discompassion between these two camps is mind-boggling. You know, we're talking about people. And, and then, you know, we're numb to so many different things. You know, we bomb villages in Syria and 5,000 people die and we all shrug our shoulders and it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. You know, we're completely disconnected from our heart. That's not the, the true human spirit that I think we have because we have compassion. We have love. We, we, we are kind by nature, but we have to learn to, to navigate this world, you know, leading with our heart and then using our mind as an instrument. Wow. My head is spinning from all this. It's going to take me a while to process it. But when I do, then we'll have to have you back because I know there's, you've got I'd so much to. to offer. And, you know, I think for those of us who are really concerned about making this world a better place uh, by becoming better people, you know, I mean, you've given us a real, yeah. uh, a real charge and incentive to move forward. So before we quit, can you give us... The, I know the book is available on Amazon. And that's right. That's called Never Enough Itis yep. by Robert Althouse. And tell us your two websites. And so the, web, we'll, the we'll website have it in the show note, we'll have all the information. Yeah, yeah. The website that's up right now is neveronoughitis.com. And then on Instagram and Facebook, you can find me under the Zen Whisper. So, you know, I'm available on those platforms. And like I said, the uh, official website is going to launch in a couple of weeks. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's basically, you know, you, you asked me earlier, you know, why you're not in business anymore, but I am in business. You know, I still have other business interests too that I manage, but uh, this is really the main thrust of what I want to do because I want to change this world. Yeah. And you can obviously see that businesses not necessarily incompatible with the heart and with absolutely the mind. not absolutely not businesses are beautiful inventions that we because it's an invention right we, we invented in the 16th century what a company is dutchies and the company was the first stock listed company companies are fantastic they're beautiful but when they're not they're not guided by the heart we end up having oil companies that pollute, uh, you know, this uh, this world in a way that is that is so atrocious. Uh, you have tobacco companies putting unhealthy products out. We have so many companies with unsavory products, and it's not necessary. But you know, if if you once you align with your heart, you wouldn't make those decisions. And that's why leadership needs to change, right? Businesses don't change by themselves. It changes when leadership changes, when vision changes, when we start playing the long game, when we start tapping into that innate goodness that we all have within us. That's where we can really start making a dent in this world. And it sounds like it all starts with the individual and with the individual mindset. Always. And willingness to change and grow, which is what we try and emphasize here. Always. So, Robert, it's been, you know, an incredible experience. I am so happy that we're able to get you on the podcast and have you share your ideas. I want to wish you, you the very best of success as you move forward to spread your ideas into the world. And uh, hopefully you picked up a few more followers who are going to. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. I'd love that. And uh, thank you so much for, for, for having me. I mean, I really enjoyed this conversation. Obviously I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm passionate about this message. So 
it's something I love to talk about and uh, because I, I'm an optimist, you know, I mean, none of what we see in the world today has to be there. Well, you're a great fit for a positive psychology podcast. And uh, again, want to wish you the, the best of success as well as offering our thanks. And this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically every day of your life. Got a lot of clues on how to do it today. We're especially grateful to have Robert Althaus. Hope that you will pick up his book. Hope you'll, if you haven't picked up mine yet, you can get it at the same place when you're on Amazon. That's Never Enough Itis and Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. Our website, again, is the Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all kinds of positive information. And it's also the place where you can suggest future uh, guests for our podcast. Hope that you all enjoyed this conversation. I can't imagine that you couldn't have. So I hope you'll subscribe, download, listen, rate, comment on the podcast, and come back next week for another really interesting and motivational guest. And so this is Ron Kaiser signing off. Everybody stay safe, stay positive, and remember to always be in the process of growing and changing, picking up some of the ideas that you learn on these podcasts. Take care and we'll see you.